Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. privilege to be here this morning. I thank you, Pastor Zach, for this opportunity. Uh, it's always especially good to be with our family. And uh, for those of you that don't know, we are Shanna and Sam's uh, parents, in-laws, whatever. Greatest son-in-law in the world, I assure you. And we're thankful for this opportunity. This morning, I'm going to Maybe at the risk of being misunderstood, I just want to go right into the Word, okay? I just want to I thank you for that, that freedom because I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste the Lord's time, amen? Let me know that when, out of all the week, of all the hours and minutes, you're here for about a, a couple of hours a week, at least in this, in this setting. Let me believe that it should be of a quality, of quality time, amen? It's not a time to be religious. It's not a time to... To try to, you know, to try to impress anybody. This is when when you and I need to lock into God. And you friends have a, a wonderful presence. And when I say that, you know, there's always people can want to split theological hairs. I know God is is omnipresent. He is all present no matter where you go. The Lord is there, nowhere you can go that He's not there. I remember hearing that when I was a kid, and I remember thinking. You know, but if I got in a box and you put that box in another box and another box and another, would God still be there? God's still there. Amen. How many will agree with me that he's not down at the bar the same way he's here? Amen. What I mean by that, he's here in a very special way as he, as he manifests his presence, as he opens his love and his compassion, as he makes available his power. And as you come into this quality setting, I want you to know you're blessed. You are blessed to have your spouse to walk in, your children to walk into this, to be acquainted and familiar with the present, the supernatural power of God. And you don't always find that. And I'm not trying to pin any roses on anybody. We're no different from anyone else. The, the Lord is no respecter of persons. But I've found this, that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And he will not push his agenda. He comes and he has so much to offer. He knew you were going to be here. He knows you're going to be here next week. He knows what you've been going through. And when God shows up, he doesn't show up empty-handed. Thank the Lord. Amen. He comes with something prepared for each and every one of us, and especially during this time of praise and worship. And I want to, I want to bring emphasis to that just to remind you, this is not some traditional ritual we go through. It's not a time to draw your attention. We have understood from Scripture this is your time to offer your praise and your worship to God. How many of you are thankful that you attend a church where emphasis and rightful place is given to praise and worship? We would just feel like we've been robbed and we haven't had church if, if we were not afforded that opportunity to enter in and to come into the Holy of Holies and there at the throne of grace receive something fresh. It is there, the Bible says, that He enthrones, that He inhabits the praises of His people. I mean, believe it's important that you and I 
give it all we got and get in. You know, don't wait till halfway through or near the end to, before we decide to crank it up. I want to encourage you to appropriate this time and to worship and praise God because it is there that He inhabits. And He inhabits it with His hands full. I want you to know God is in this position today with one foot raised, his hands are full, and he is leaning towards you, and he's just waiting for you now to make your move. He says, if you're drawn here to me, that's your permission. He will not invade your turf, my friends, until we, until we yield. That's what the Holy Spirit's all about, yielding vessels. That's where he targets. And I want to encourage you, make your move to God. And you'll find that he'll begin to take the heaviness, all the trash and garbage we've been going through all week. And you come in here. How many of you have experienced when, you, when you've gone through a, a severe, difficult week, perhaps spiritually or domestically or just problems in, in your personal life or at home, whatever it might be, but you come to, and you didn't even want to come to church maybe, but you've found the best place to get is through the house of God. Amen? And you come in here and you can hardly put one foot in front of the other. But you enter in and you begin to give the sacrifice of praise. You begin to offer to God that and something happens. There's a dynamic that takes place. I want you to know it's good therapy being in the presence of God. And you are blessed when you have this quality of, of the presence of God. You are blessed. And if you want to, for your children to continue to grow up in this and to become acquainted and familiarized with the presence of a living God, if you want your neighbors, when you invite them, that they will walk into a, a religious uh, uh, club, but they'll come into the presence of God, then I encourage you to continue to be people of harmony and unity. I encourage you to be people of the altar. Be people. Moses said, do this and the glory of the Lord will appear. He was in reference to activity around the altar. He was talking about the sacrifice of, of blood and of, 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 the, of, the, of the flour and of the oil. And we have all three, praise God. We got the blood of the lamb, the supreme sacrifice. We have, my friends, we have here the word, the bread of life. And we have the precious oil from heaven. And that, my friends, is a combination that I believe it required for the glory of the Lord. I encourage you, you be that individual of the altar. I'm finding it off so, so often that there's, 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 there's some people that never really think about church until just a few hours before time to go to church. Oh, my friends, I want you to know God has called you out of darkness. He has saved you. He has planted you here. And you should be just married to the ministry of this church. You should want to pour into, your, into, into the life of this church the various ministries. You know, you would, and that, it's cold. We're not used to this in Florida. We usually use an air conditioner as an example. Here I'll use the heater, okay? You would not dare come in here without turning those heaters on. As long as the bills are paid, amen, and, the, and it's working, you're going to condition and make it ready, an atmosphere conducive for worship and praise. And I commend you on this beautiful sanctuary. And You know, Jesus, he chose a place where there was much grass to have the people sit down. He wanted them to be comfortable. And you've done a good job. But I want to encourage you this morning about not only conditioning this air, but conditioning the spiritual atmosphere. 
Because I believe you and I can be the air conditioners or prayer conditioners. Or the, 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 we can be the ones that can make an impact on what happens here. As you and I pray, as you and I, not just, you know, not just the opening prayer, I'm talking about having that altar in your home, having that altar behind the wheel, having that altar at your desk, and you're mindful as the, as the Spirit of the Lord, your relationship with Him. That's what He wants. He wants to be your greatest friend. He wants to be in relationship with you. And as he begins to prod you and to stir you, uh, you can begin to pray right there and begin to seek the Lord and say, Oh God, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. I begin to be checked on that. I begin to begin to think about that. You know, we just sort of give an open invitation. You're, you're welcome. That's sort of like, you know, if you want to come, you don't want to. I don't want to just give that kind of welcome. I want to give a welcome that says to the Holy Spirit, you're not only welcome, but you are needed. You are longed for. Oh, we desire you. We must have you, Holy Spirit. Come. And as you pray and as you seek the Lord, you charge this atmosphere with your prayers. You pray for your pastor. You pray for the praise and worship team. You pray for a spirit of worship and praise. Do you know who's going to be the beneficiary? You will. You'll be the one that will be blessed. Your children will be blessed as God now finds an atmosphere conducive where he can move and he can minister. The Holy Spirit is that type of a gentleman. He does not crash parties, as someone said. He waits for that invitation. He's not here today because the sign out front says assemblies of God. He's here because someone has been praying. He's here because he knows that he finds, he finds a welcoming and an atmosphere where God is worshipped and God is praised as he lifts up Jesus. That's what he wants to do. I encourage you, my friends, long for You know, down south, if you'll forgive me for using this illustration, but cornbread is a very important part of our diet. And sometimes, you know, it's just understood your cornbread is going to be on the table. You have certain foods, it's there. And you don't really appreciate it until it's not there. Let's not, amount, let's, not, let's not cause the Father to sort of withdraw His glory and His presence for us to come around and understand how blessed we are. Amen? Let us be people that appreciate what God has given us. Because the Spirit of the Lord can do more in these moments. He can do more in these moments than we can do in a lifetime, I assure you. If I knew every need here today, I couldn't do anything about it. But he not only knows, but he is able to meet the needs. And during that praise and worship service, the Spirit of the Lord is moving in and out of these pews, I assure you. He's checking hearts. He's taking temperatures. He's dealing with people. It is there, my friends. That's the, that's the exchange program. That's like the, the Walmart service counter. You can go and you can exchange things. And the Holy Spirit offers you that opportunity to change heaviness, to exchange your grief. And you can be filled with the oil of gladness and a spirit of worship and praise. And you come in here worn down and you're beaten and you go out revitalized and excited. You explain that. There's no way to explain it except it's the presence of the Almighty God. And I, if I say nothing else today, I want to encourage you, my friends, covet that, long for that, guard that, and do everything you can to assure that presence of the Lord in your service. And it can happen as you and I begin to pray and pray and pray and seek the Lord. You know, we are where we are today in Pentecost. We are where we are as a movement because in those early days, my friends, there were people who had the altars on its bases in their homes. There were praying people. Oh, it was not so popular to be, but to be people of the Spirit back in then. I mean, they went through some hard times. And now, you know, that we've made it uptown, we're sort of more of accepted. Let us not think 
that we still do not need this fervency for the Holy Spirit and this love for the Holy Spirit. I remember when I was in high school, and they began, my senior year begins teaching evolution. And, uh, you know, growing up in church, and I was just all so against that, I began you know, just resisting that, and the teacher said, you know, as she explained that big bang and all that development of this and that, and he finally made it to the, out of the water into the tree, and, and that little monkey began standing up one day. And I asked her, I said, well, if we came from monkeys, where's the tail, teacher? And uh, she began to explain, well, you know, we're, we're always evolving. We're in this process of, and once we left the tree, we no longer need it, so it just started disappearing. And I'm afraid sometimes that that same mentality might be in the church that, you know, there was a time it was in our progressive as growing and developing as a movement that we needed this Holy Spirit power and fervency and anointing and the gifts of the Spirit. But, you know, now we've arrived. We're sort of here and we need, to, we need to adjust to that and realize we don't know, my friends. The day that you and I think that we don't need the presence, the reality, the glory, and the moving of the Holy Spirit, my friends, that's the, going to be the sad day. So I encourage you. This is what people are looking for. People are not looking for a, for a, a beautiful edifice. They're not looking for, for this country's full of those beautiful churches in the world, the most comfortable of first class of this and that. They're not looking for that. They're looking for an encounter with the power of God. They're looking for something they can take home with them. They're looking for something that will bring solution to their families and to their marriage. Oh, my friends, and they'll find it here in this atmosphere. I encourage you. Flow with the movement of God. Flow with the, with the direction that the Holy Spirit is, is moving into. And do all you can. And you don't have to understand it all. That's a good thing about it. I assure you I don't understand it. The more I learn, the less I know. The, the more I understand, I don't know. But I encourage you. Love the Spirit. Be in tune with Him. If you'll open your Bibles. Psalms chapter 107. Psalms chapter 107, and we'll begin reading just as, a, as an opening verse here. Psalms chapter 107 and verse 23. Psalms 107 and verse 23 and following. It says, and those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business in great, on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. We're not going to take time to read the rest of it. It talks about the, the storms they encounter, the, the oppositions, and how even God commands and there's winds rise and, and the, those men uh, come to their wits' end. How many have ever been there? <laughs> they're at their wits' end and they're drunken with all this tossing. And then they cry out. Because of that, because they're stretched, they begin to cry out and they find a new place in God. They, there they begin to behold as God calms the storm. And they find their desired haven. This morning I want to use that as an example of sort of two ways of, in which people many times are serving the Lord. Many times people go down to the ocean, not in ships, but they go down to the ocean with the idea of going no further than what they're knee high or perhaps a little bit further where they can uh, splash around. You know, they just sort of show up on Sunday morning, and they spread the, the religious picnic lunch. And they sort of butter up and just get a few rays of 
of, of absorbed uh, uh, presence of the Lord, but with no idea of really committing themselves. They may splash around in the dilly-dally, is the way I say it, in the shallowness, and they may, with their mask, behold a, a few, a few uh, interesting things there about the Lord, but always with the idea that I'm in control of my life. I can close it up, I can pack it up and get in the car and go home, and I secularize my life from the rest of the week. And I, but those that go down to the sea in ships, I mean, those ships are for deep water. Ships are for commitment. They are those that see the glory of the Lord. I want to encourage you, my friends, be those that are willing to walk the plank. Be those that are willing, rather, to walk the pier. And along the way, you'll find that you might have to discard this and that because on the ship that I'm talking about, there's not room for selfishness. There's not room for, for self-ego. There's not room for, for anything that's, in con that's against the Spirit. But on board, there's one called Jesus, and He is inviting you and I. Will you find your place on this ship, and let's go out. Let's push away from the shore. Commit to me with all you have. Get on board the work with the work of God and commit yourself. Yes, there'll be storms. It's not going to be convenient. You're going to go through some difficulties. There's going to be trials. You're going to encounter problems that you could avoid if you don't want to go that route. There's a price to pay. The work of God is not a picnic. It's not a cakewalk. But I assure you, he is taking record, and you will receive a crown. You will be rewarded. How many want to get on board the ship and go into the greater waters, into the deep? It, are the, it, is, it is those, the Bible says, that see the works of the Lord. It is those that see the glory of the Lord. My favorite passage of Scripture is one that we often quote, and I fear sometimes that it's almost a it's, it's, it's almost thought of maybe as a Pentecostal cliche, just a saying. I want to remind you this morning that this is not a cliche. It's not just a saying. It's the word of the Lord. In Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, you know that scripture. The people of God had their back to the wall. They had come out of bondage, out of slavery from Babylon. And they were there in Jerusalem trying to, trying to do a work for God. They had been commissioned. I mean, you know, we are people that are under a commission today. We are sent forth into our Jerusalem and our Samarias and into the uttermost parts of the world. We refer to it as the Great Commission. I assure you, my friend, I want to remind you it's not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission of Jesus. Amen? And that is binding upon your shoulders as much as it is mine. And these people were similar to us in that they were sent. They had been commissioned by the king. And that king said, all power in earth has been given to me. This was Cyrus king of Persia. He said, now who is there among all you people? He was saying, who are the, among all you Jewish slaves that are here? Who among you feel this call, this, this urgency to go back to Jerusalem? I'm releasing you. I'm giving you authority. Go and rebuild the house of God. Today, my friends, if we will be accessible, God will stir our hearts. I'm persuaded that it takes the stirring of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my friends, we could talk until we're blue in the face. We could try to, try to, 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 to lean on you with, with, with pity or, or this or urgency, but until you and I come in contact and have an interpersonal relationship with the Holy Spirit where He can shed abroad the love of God, where He can touch us with a little bit more of His compassion, there, my friends, that's when we'll be up and about the Father's business. Amen? And that's why He's sent here. He's your greatest friend. He wants to develop us. He wants to take our least potential and develop it. 
as those people were setting out, and they're now in Jerusalem. I'm jumping over much territory here, but they're, they're working, and the, the work of God is going forward. They've now just completed, finally, uh, the, the uh, circumference of the foundation wall. All this was just in heaps of rubbish. When Nebuchadnezzar uh, Babylon destroyed it, he did a great job. Nehemiah said, my donkey cannot even get through. When that donkey can't get through, you know it's bad. Amen? And so they just completed that, and the work of God, they were having a praise and worship service. They lined the, the, the circumference with the priest, and they were worshiping and praising. The noise was heard a little far off. Some were crying. Some were weeping. But the enemy heard it. And the enemy does not want to hear praise and worship. And they came against them. And they sent letters to the king, now a new king, not the king that had given permission, but a new king, and began to, to remind the king of the rebellion of the city of Jerusalem. And if you allow it to be rebuilt, it's going to rise up. You're going to lose all your taxes. That king sent a new letter now with a new mandate commanding them to stop. And all the people, the Jewish people, went back to their homes, the Bible says. We find... Zerubbabel, he was the leader. He was the, the one in charge. Maybe we could say he's sort of like pastor. He was the one that was in charge. And we find him there alone. He had no army. He had no strength. He had no nothing. The work of God, the Bible says, came to a screeching halt. The work of the Lord ceased, it says. But it was at that moment when it seemed like it was all over, in that darkened moment when God stepped forward, when God leaned forward, so to say, and God was saying, now it's just right for me. Amen? And he spoke through a prophet by the name of Zechariah, and it's really recorded right there in verse, in chapter 4 and verse 6, and this is what the Lord said to that man as he reminds him of something seemingly so simple and yet so profound. He was talking to a man that didn't have an army, didn't have power, didn't have authority. He had nothing. Everything was against him, except he had this. He had the Spirit of the Lord was on his side. God said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Tell him. Tell that struggling man, that leader, tell him that it is not by might. It doesn't matter what the world says. It, this defies logic, I know. But it doesn't matter what man may say. You have my Spirit. The Lord says, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit. I want you to know, friends, Sometimes we as Americans that are in a lap of luxury and we have this and that and all, you know, at our fingertips, that doesn't mean as much as it might to, to some other people. But you and I need to understand that, that we are blessed. We are so blessed to have the spirit of the living God in our lives. Not by might, nor by power. The problem is we, the human tendency is that we want to improve on what God has said often. <laughs> that is human tendency, to try to improve on what God has said. I mean, no, you cannot improve on what God has said. God said at one time, he meant it for all generations, it is by my spirit. He was saying, the way I get things done, I include my spirit. I work with my spirit. If you look at Genesis 1, 1, you find in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible says that the earth was void. And it was empty. Darkness was upon the face of the earth. And then, my friends, this is not just coincidence. God wanted it to be understood from the very beginning. I work by my spirit. He invites his spirit. He employed the work of the specialty of the Holy Spirit. And it says, then the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the deep. 
The Spirit of the Lord moved upon that earth that had been brought to a certain stage with all of its potential, but it took and it needed His specialty. My friends, if the Spirit of the Lord can move upon an earth that was void and an earth that was without form, an earth that was full of darkness and empty, how much more can He move upon lives today that are void and empty, full of darkness? You and I were those lives. Look what He's done in our lives. Translated us from darkness into His marvelous light. God was saying, making a point, I work by my spirit. This is something that can't not be a hit lick and a miss, as we say. It cannot be sometime on and sometime off. God honors his spirit. And as you and I, as, as a church, as you honor the spirit, God will honor you, I assure you. One of the first individuals we find as a, as a man that was acquainted with the spirit was a man by the name of Joseph. You remember as a young man, he had visions. He, he embraced the, the faith of his grandfather's. He had a relationship with God. God had given him these visions. His brothers hated him, all 11 of them. They wanted to kill him, destroy him, to get him out of the picture. And almost did. But they persuaded, one persuaded him, no, let's just sell him. And we find Joseph now being sold on his way to Egypt as a slave boy. Bound in fetters, walking behind a, a, a camel probably, there on his way to Egypt. I ask you. What chances does a little slave boy, bound in fetters, what chances does he have for success as a foreigner, as a slave in another country? In those days, there were no human rights, my friend. I assure you, the chances are very slim to none. Amen? Unless you have the touch of God upon your life. Unless you have the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you cannot be intimidated. You cannot be uh, uh, victimized if you have the anointing and the touch of the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you, friends, we need to appropriate what God is offering us. Of all the things that God could have chosen for the bride of Christ, hear me, of all the things that he could have chosen as a gift to the bride of Christ, he decided, I'm going to give them my spirit. Amen. I'm going to give them the gift that keeps on giving. I'm going to give them the power and the anointing and wisdom and love. Oh, my friends, we need to appropriate we need to lay this smorgasbord uh, uh, shopping uh, uh, to the side where we go down and we show you how this sounds good. I'll take that. Holy Spirit, no, no, my friend, we need to appropriate. We need to understand that God's ways are higher than our ways. We need to understand that God knew what is best for his people. Let us receive with gladness, with readiness, the fullness of the Spirit. We find Joseph on an auction block, being auctioned off. His hands bound, looking for the highest bidder. And I'm surmising here. I know there's no way to know, but I, I just personally do not think that he was holding bitterness against his brothers. I think he realized that the win-win situation here is to forgive them and put it behind me. He realized God's given me dreams. One day they're going to bow down to me. He was Perhaps he was saying, who's going to be blessed to take me home with Bought by an army general out of, out of Pharaoh's army. He was taken to his house. Everything that man gave that young man to do prospered. Hear me. That's the anointing. God wants to make you and I our best. He wants to only uh, improve our life and, and our abilities. Everything he touched, the Bible says that man realized that it was blessed. But you know the story of how the lady of the house desired him. And he refused, and she lied and accused him falsely, and he was drug off now to Pharaoh's dungeon. What chance does a foreigner, former slave, now an inmate in Pharaoh's dungeon, what 
possibility does he have for success? Nilch, zero, unless you have the touch of God, unless you have the spirit that gives life, unless you have the liberating, loosening spirit in your life, unless you have the resurrecting power of God in your life, you have everything you need going for you. Hallelujah. You know the story of how finally, after a while, Time went by, but God gave that dream. God knows how to exalt. God knows how. Hold on. I want to encourage you. God has his timing in each one of our lives. You may pass through some difficulties. You will pass through some difficulties. You will suffer. But after you have suffered, he that is faithful will come and establish you. Amen. And the Bible says God gave that vision to Pharaoh, and he troubled his heart. It was a vision so, so clear, but he didn't understand it. He couldn't sleep. No one could interpret it. Finally, word came to him, sir, there's an individual down in the dungeon, a Hebrew lad. He has the reputation of interpreting dreams. And he says, call him. Bring him here. One moment we find that young man in the stench and smelly dungeon. And by the way, he even prospered there. (laughs) Even in the dungeon. It was brought to the attention of the authorities. Under everything we assigned to this guy, prospers, it goes better. I'm telling you, my friends, the Holy Spirit wants to enrich and embedder our lives. Hallelujah. The touch of God makes such a difference. I'm talking about the favor of God upon our lives. We find him now washed and cleaned and dressed, standing before the ultimate power in the land. I mean, a promotion comes from the Lord. Amen. And you hear him give God glory. Fear not, Pharaoh. God will give you the interpretation. He begins. He tells him the dream. He begins to interpret it. Then he follows up with words of wisdom. He follows up with a plan to save the nation. And Pharaoh is there with his mouth dropped wide open. He can't believe this. He turns to his councilman. And this is what he says. Could it be that we could find another man like this one in whom the spirit of the living God is? Pharaoh recognized the difference that the spirit of God makes upon a human individual. My friends, I want to encourage you again today. Let us be people acquainted with, familiar with, and in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let me believe Moses was a man that had the touch of God fresh upon his life. You don't do the things that that man did without the anointing, without the touch of God. But you see, the difference is on that yesteryear up to the time of the new covenant, being the old covenant, no one was allowed, just a select few. You and I would not have had access to this. This was reserved just for a select few, a few great leaders, a few kings or judges, prophets. Besides them, no one had the opportunity to, to savor and taste and become acquainted with this. But Moses was a man who had the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and God was with him. You know the story of all the miracles and the plagues and how God favored him and gave him, gave him favor. And as he leads the children of Israel out of bondage. Now they're in the middle of the desert. Some of them are griping. Some of them are complaining. Some of them are wishing they had never left there. And they're calling on Moses day and night. We find Moses, he's... Escaped to the backside of a hill somewhere, and he's crying out, saying something like this, God, if this is what it's like, if this is what the ministry is all about, kill me now. I can't take it. These people are too much for me. I can't take it. Now, I want you to listen to heaven's response. This is the, this is the keynote. Listen to what heaven said. God has an answer for his people. Amen? He has solutions, and it's always going to involve the Holy Spirit, I assure you. God has reserved in every part of the ministry the 
place for the Spirit of God. If he is enthroned there, it will fly. You will have success. If not, then there's going to be lack. Amen? And the Lord said to him, Moses, if you'll allow me to put it in this way, the work's growing, demands are great on you, you need help, no problem. Call out 70 elders. Choose out 70 elders. Meet me down at the tabernacle door. And he says, I'm going to come down there, and I'm going to meet with you. And I'm going to take the spirit that's on you, that is spirit that's enabled you to be a, of, of, of use, that is spirit that's caused you to, to, to be uh, uh, equipped to, do, to face the challenges. I'm going to take that spirit, and I'm going to put it on the 70. And you don't have to carry the work alone. I mean, no, it's not the will of the Lord for pastor to carry the work of God alone. Amen. God wants to, individuals. He's looking. He's knocking. He's calling. He's moving. Oh, I encourage you. Realize God is ready to move toward you, but you've got to move toward him. Moses did what God said, and God did what he said. I mean, no, if we do our part, he'll do his part. God came down, and he took the spirit that was on Moses, and he began to put it upon those 70. And immediately... Those men begin to prophesy. Happens everywhere I go. We've lost the real excitement about the, the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not talking, I know there's been a lot of abuse, friends. I'm talking about the real McCoy. I'm talking about the real thing. These are common, ordinary men that begin to foretell. They begin to, to prophesy things that their mind could not have known by itself under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what God wants to do, enable us to do things that we're not able to do by ourselves. Hallelujah. The truth of the matter is there was only 68 of them that were there at that moment. Two were still coming across the parking lot. They arrived late. They were coming across the camp. But when the Spirit of the Lord fell on those 68, he also fell on those two out there in the parking lot in the camp. And they began to prophesy. Word came to Joshua, Moses' helper. Mm, Joshua runs to Moses. Oh, oh, sir, impede them. Stop them. You know, he, he was just bent out of shape. He couldn't imagine that, that God could work outside the box. And everything had to happen right there. I mean, oh, God can do what he wants, when he wants, and how, how he wants, and where he wants. Amen? Listen to what Moses says. This will help us understand his appreciation of the touch of God. He says, son, are you concerned about me? Are you zealous for me? You're worried that they're going to get, he said, I would that God would pour spit out on all of his people. I would that all of his people were prophets, he said. He said, I've tasted of this. I know it's real. I know what the difference it can make in an old stuttering man. And I know the difference that it can make when you're facing opposition. It's the power of God on earth. Hallelujah. That man was familiar. He was familiar with the touch of God. And he would, he desired it to be on all people. Little did he know that was God's plan. Little did he know that that was God's plan. Years and years later, there was a prophet by the name of Joel. You know the prophecy. And Joel stood up one day announcing and prophesying that in the last days, thus saith the Lord, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. I'm sure he got all kind of accusations. I'm sure people withstood him. What does he mean? Doesn't he know that he's the God of the Jew? Doesn't he know this is only for kings or prophets? How dare him to prophesy that? My friends, God is God of all flesh. God's love supersedes uh, ethnic groups. It supersedes territorial boundaries. He wants to be God of all. And he desires. Oh, he longs 
Hear me today. That's what God lives for. That's why he gave his son to bring us back into fellowship, to bring us back as cleansed temples that now he could deposit his spirit. Oh, he didn't say, I'm going to drip my spirit. He didn't say, I'm going, to, I'm going to spray or sprinkle. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit. He chose a word that comes expressing a generous uh, amount. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to saturate. He wants to fill our lives that we can be filled with the spirit. By the bucketfuls, if you please. Hallelujah. 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 Come to a time in Israel's history when Israel would sin. And he went through this cycle. They would sin. God would, would allow them to be conquered. They would repent. And God would raise up judges to deliver them. One of the most famous judges, as we all know, was Samson. I remember seeing pictures in Sunday school with the big posters. You know, they, used to show, they showed this hulk of a man. I'm sorry. I think they had it wrong. I don't think Moses, or, excuse me, Samson was, was any out nor any big man. Matter of fact, I think I can back that up because the Philistines were so frustrated and so bum fumbled over it that they had to hire a young lady to find out where's the source of his strength. I mean, if he was Arnold Schwarzenegger, they could say, hey, that's where it's at. But it was when the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him, that's when he became a new man. When the Spirit of the Lord became upon him, that's when he could do outstanding things. And it was until he lost that, that he was a natural, normal man. My friends, the Spirit of the Lord has much to offer you and I. He can take us into areas and do things with our lives that we can never dream of. Oh, hallelujah. Israel began to cry out, we want a king. Notice in each one of these phases, I'm bringing attention to the importance of the Holy Spirit must be there. Israel wanted a king. God said to Samuel, the prophet, give him a king. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. You know, God was their, was their king. But God once again drives home the point. He says, he must be anointed. He says, take your oil. Take the horn of oil. There's a young man coming looking for his father's donkeys. He's the one I've called. His name is Saul. And you will anoint him. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon him. And he will be my leader. Folks, God was saying those that are going to participate in the work of God must not work in the flesh in our own human zeal, our own human compassion. It's not enough. We need to be enclosed and endued with power from on high. And the Bible says when that oil was poured upon that young man, just a farm boy, but the power of God came upon him. He became a new man, the Bible says. And he did a great job for a certain amount of time. But then, because of perpetual disobedience, God had to put him to the side. God had to establish the fact when I say something, I mean it. Amen. We find Saul, Samuel the prophet weeping. Oh, the first king, he's a flop. Well, we failed. God said, how long are you going to cry over this? Seeing that I've rejected him. Listen to what God said. Fill your horn with oil. Come with me. I've found another servant. Go to the house of Jesse. Oh, friend, but the presence, that symbol of the Holy Spirit was there. Oh, God gave that symbol to Moses many, many years ago when he was anointing that first tabernacle, that portable tabernacle. God gave him that, that symbol of the Holy Spirit as he said, take the olive oils and the, the spices and, and put together after the, after the art of the perfume maker and make a special blend. This will be the holy anointing oil. It will not come upon just any, but it will be upon the tabernacle, all the utensils, all the furnishings, and upon Aaron and his sons because God wanted to be understood. This is something tangible to help you to relate to of the unseen spirit of God. 
that temple, all those furnishings, was temporary. If God saw fit for that temple to be anointed, how much more does God want these temples anointed? We as the living temples, we with our furnitures, with our utensils, with our minds, our faculties, God wants us to be anointed with that holy anointing oil, his precious spirit. He went to the house of Jesse. The prophet Samuel went to the house of Jesse. And there, Jesse had lined up all of his sons, starting with the eldest. That was the custom. I mean, no, God's ways are different from our ways, though. I imagine that young man, no doubt, he was one of the sons that was a, 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 a soldier in Saul's army. David went to visit them, remember, and take them cheese and all that to see his brothers. No doubt he maybe had his uniform, I don't know. Probably told his little brothers, hey, guys, forget it. You know, I've got everything going for me. I'm the eldest. I've got the birthright. I've got experience. Look at my uniform, you know. And as he walks and marches probably in front of that prophet, even the prophet was taken in with this. He was about to anoint him. And when God said, no, don't anoint him. I don't look on the outside. I don't look on the outside. I look different. I look on the inside. You might not have everything going for you like me. You might not have anything going for you like me. But I tell you, friends, if God can find a desire in your heart to want to serve him and do something for him for your life to count for God, God will give you his favor, and he'll make up the difference. Amen. And that young man walks in front of the, you know, just waiting any moment. He's going to rise, and oil's going to be flowing, and it didn't happen. He kept walking, and it didn't happen. And he returns humiliated. It reminds me of the story of a, a young man in a certain church that had a call of God. And finally the pastor invited him to preach one Sunday. This young fellow shows up with his big Bible, big family Bible, all dressed out, you know. And when the pastor introduced him, he marches to the platform, spreads that Bible out, and begins to lean like he is some great orator and begins to open his mouth to preach. But nothing would happen. He tried again and again. Finally, he was broken and humiliated. He had to return to his seat crying, and the pastor had to come and preach. At the close of the service, the young man went to the pastor and said, oh, Pastor, why did that happen? What? The pastor in his wisdom said, Son, if you had gone to that pulpit the way you went back to your seat, that would not have happened. God rejects the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The second son, the third son, the fourth, each time the spirit of the Lord said, Don't anoint him. Don't anoint him. It's not him. Finally, the last one passes in front of him. There's no more. He pulls out his, his iPad and he's, I'm sure I'm at the right house here. I know, God, this is the address. He turns to the father. You don't have any more sons here? Now listen to the way that, that, that daddy, Jesse, responds. He did not even want to mention that little fella. He said, come here. I've got this little kid. He's, just a, he's out there in a sheepfold. He's, just a, he's a runt. He's a little rude kid. That prophet says, sir, you call him. We're not going to eat until he gets here. And they called David. Thank God David came to Sunday school that day. Amen? Thank God he showed up for service. If he had said, no, nah, I'm not going, I don't want to go. Oh, he would have missed something great for his life. Here comes David. Maybe he was playing with his sling. Maybe he was playing rap on his, on his harp. I don't know. But he walks into those doors, and the Lord, when the prophet saw him, the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for I've chosen him. The world saw a little shepherd boy insignificant, without much possibility. But God saw a warring king in the making, a king that spread the borders of Israel, great and tall, brought it to his height. David was a man. When that oil was poured upon him, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and it departed from Saul. 
I wish I could tell you that David went to the throne the next day, but it didn't happen that way. David returned to the sheepfold because there he had to become familiar with this power. That's what God wants you and I to do. He wants us to become acquainted through trial and error after one problem and error to, uh, to become accustomed with the power of the Holy Spirit. One day a lion came out and grabbed one of those lambs. Now usually those little shepherd boys would, would sacrifice one to save the rest. David, perhaps he was, you know, calling the sheep and about to run, but something grabs him, something on the inside stood up. And before David knew it, he's grabbing the lion by the bear, by the, by the beard, and he's taking the lion out of his mouth and killing that lion. David probably said, man, what in the world? What is this? You know, see, he was getting acquainted. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Friends, while we're on this earth, that is the ultimate form of the power of God that you and I can ever know. There's much more, I assure you. Paul said to one congregation, I'm praying for you, that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and of understanding and the knowledge of him, and that he'll open the eyes of your understanding that you might know. And he lists three things. One of those things, and that you might know the power, the exceeding greatness of his power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And that is your assignment and my assignment to, to continue to acquaint ourselves, to investigate, and to cry out, to know you in the power of your resurrection. There's much more, my friends. We're not programmed to handle anything higher than that. David, a few days later, a bear. You know the story? Perhaps he started to run, but something stood, and he grabs the bear, and he delivers the lion. But you see, the bear, but he delivers the lamb, but God was getting him ready to face a giant in a few days. God is preparing you now. That's why it's important that you and I learn our lessons, where we're planted and what stage we are serving the Lord. To learn our, our, what God's trying to teach you where you're at. He will exalt you in due season. And David now stands before that giant. You know the story. I love my, the, To me, the most important, interesting part is that when that giant ran toward David, he didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to pray. He didn't have to get ready. He ran toward the giant. Amen? God doesn't want us to be backing up. He doesn't want us to be, be uh, you know, vacillating. He wants us to be prepared, a people prepared. Hallelujah. David loved the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, he was a man that loved the Holy Spirit. He was acquainted with the presence of God. You hear him saying things, oh, my cup runs over. He was looking for words to try to explain it. You anoint my head with oil, my cup's running over. Other places he says, you anoint, my, you anoint me with the strength of the, of the buffalo. You increase my strength like that of the buffalo. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. That was the key in his life. He knew the Holy Spirit. One of the first things he wanted to do when he became king was to bring the Ark of the Covenant. That was the symbol, the embodiment of the touch of God, the power of God, the glory of God. He wanted to bring it to Jerusalem. And here we find an individual that thought he could improve on God's ways. We must do it God's way, my friend. David said, I'm going to create a new cart. Oh, we're a new generation. We're doing things different now. And we're, going to, we're not going to do it the old way. We're going to do it a new cart. I assure you that cart was the most beautiful thing in the land. Varnished, if they had varnished, whatever. Decorated those, those cows that pulled it with grapefruits on their horns and whatever. And as they were going along, there was a lot of music. The Bible says there was musical instruments, there was singing, there was dancing. While they had to, it seemed like everything was in order. This is a move, this is revival. The only problem was it was the similitude of it. It wasn't the genuine thing. You know what happened. 
You cannot fake it. You cannot try to try to mimic it. We need why would we want to mimic it when we can have the original? Amen. David. The Bible says that when the ox, the cow stumbled and the ark started to fall, the priest put out his hand. And I'm sure it cost God to have to do that, but God had to drive home the point. You don't mess with my law. You don't do you do things my ways. David was so bent out of shape, he was angry. He went home. He put the ark in someone's home. He went back to Jerusalem. And you hear David say, how shall I bring the ark of the covenant home with me? How can I bring revival to my church? How can I experience a move of God? Oh, I've tried this. What was working over there? I ran over there and I tried this and that. My friends, do it God's way. It's got to be born on your shoulders through prayer and seeking the face of God. It's got to be by my spirit, thus saith the Lord. There is no other formula. I don't care how modern we are. I don't care how advanced we are. God's not impressed by these things. He still says, it's by my spirit. And there is nothing in this world that can compare to he, the Holy Spirit. And when David sinned and he fell into sin and he knew God was about to punish him and deal with him, you hear David cry out, oh God, Creating me a, a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. Don't cast me away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. David was saying, God, I know you're holy. I know you can't just wink at this. I know you're going to deal with my sin. Do what you must do, but please, whatever you do, don't take the Holy Spirit from me. Amen. He knew he could make a comeback. He knew if he, that's because of his love and his appreciation. I trust that, that that burning desire is in your heart for the Holy Spirit, my friend, that you love him. Hallelujah. 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 Even for the prophets, this anointing, this touch of God, for kings, for prophets. Elijah, you're familiar with Elijah. He was the one that called fire down from heaven, remember? And the fire of God fell and it burned up the water and all the wet sacrifice, everything. But his time was coming to an end. And God spoke to him and he said, Elijah, fill your horn with oil. Take the oil and go and anoint this one to be king over here and this one to be king. And find Elisha to be prophet in your place. Notice, the need of the touch of God, the anointing, it's not just sometimes, it's continued throughout the scripture. And he found Elisha. He was in the Ohio School of Agriculture. He was behind two yoke of oxen. He was learning to be an agriculturist, I get. He was proud. I see him there. Oh, this was his ambition. How are we going to get married? I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to get rich. And all of a sudden, from behind him comes this elderly man, and he takes his mantle, and he casts it upon his shoulders. Puts the brakes on doesn't mean much to us, but to him, he understood. When that comes from that man, that means the call of God. God was challenging him. God was saying, I have different plans for your life. God may have different plans for your life. He may have different plans for your little Johnny and Susie. And the best thing you can do is release and submit to it. I love the way he answered the call of God. What he did not do, as he stands there with his hands on his dreams, and, oh, maybe he was about to graduate, I don't know. But what he did not do. He said, I'll do it like this. I'll take the cow. I'll just turn them loose, and I'll put the plow behind the barn in case, in case this doesn't work. Since I don't have success in the ministry, I'll have something to fall back on. No. Here's what he did. He took that little yoke of oxen, and the Bible says he slaughtered them. And he prepared their flesh. And he took the plow, and he broke it up and used it for kindling firewood. And he stewed their flesh 
He kissed his father. That means they had a time of celebration as there he probably announced from this day forward, I'm going to follow the call of God for my life. I mean, believe God wants 110%. Amen. And he follows the prophet. We don't hear much about his preparation. We don't hear much at all. I only find one statement as he followed that man and became uh, his helper. Years later, when he finally becomes the prophet, there were two kings that were in dire straits. They had gone out together to, uh, to fight an army, an invading army, and they had gone too far. They didn't come prepared with water. They couldn't go back. They had gone too far. And uh, one of them says, is there not a prophet here? And someone said, Elisha is here. Elisha, he who poured water on the hands of Elijah. My friends, that's a mouthful. He who poured water on the hands of Elijah. That means he became a servant. He probably washed that man's feet. He washed his dishes. He cooked. But all the while, he had his eyes on him. He was being mentored. I want to encourage you, whatever God brings your way, be willing to do it. I remember when, when, when I got saved and, and I was just, so, just something in me, just wanted to do something for the Lord. I didn't understand it. I went to my pastor. He said, what, what can I do for you? He said, well, you can wash my car. Man, I washed that car like I was washing Jesus' car. I ran in, I got finished. He said, What else? I said, What else can I do? And he said, Well, we got these big, we didn't have air conditioning back in those days, big, long windows. I mean, like eight feet tall. And uh, he said, Well, we need those windows cleaned, the screens taken down. I did all that. I remember one Sunday morning when the pastor came to our, our, our young, young people's class, he said, The teacher for the little junior boys has just called in. He can't be here tonight. You think you could take that? Oh, my word. I thought that was an impossibility. But you know, God, he, he begins to, to, to get us ready, and he begins to open other doors, and that's the way, but we must be willing to do what he places in our hands. I remember after I graduated, my wife and I had spent four years of struggling. I mean, struggling to get through Bible school. And now I've got that degree, that diploma. I show up for work at a church. And the first day, the pastor said, the janitor couldn't come. You mind going and washing the bowls in the men's room? Of course, I said, yes, but I assure you, I assure you in, the, in, the, in the men's room, me and the Lord had a little discussion. <laughs> Is this what it's all about? Is this what I've been struggling for? But I humbled myself, and I was willing to be beside a man of God to be prepared and to have experience. Amen. Be willing to do what God puts in your hands. Sweep that floor clean. Do whatever. As, you, as unto the Lord. Can you say amen? Finally, the moment comes when Elijah, the elder prophet, is about to be taken away from this young man that he's been mentoring. And you see him beginning to test him because he realized that fellow's about to become the prophet. He's about to become the man of God. And you see him as he says, you stay here. The Lord's called me down to this next city. You stay here. In the Hebrew, that means tarry. Let your roots down. Just, just park it here. I love the way Elisha, once again, he says, sir, as the Lord lives, as thy soul lives, I will not leave you. I didn't start this out to, 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 to give way to some tempting parking place along life's highway. I'm going all out for God. And he went down, and when he got to that next town, the prophet says to him again, stay here, tarry here. Each one of those towns, when you do a study, there was interesting things, things attractive that he could have been drawn to. But all three times he says, sir, as the Lord lives, as thy soul lives, I will not leave you. I trust that's in your spirit today, my friend, that I will serve the Lord. I don't care what comes my way. I don't care how advantageous it may be to go here or there. I've been planted here. I will blossom here. 
Finally, they come to the river. You know the story. The prophet realizing he's getting lighter. He's out of here. And he turns to him. He says, son, you know I'm about to be taken away from your head. What's the one thing you desire? You're about to become the prophet. What's the one thing you need for the ministry? Of all the things that he could have said, of all the things that many are saying today, (laughs) he says, sir, if you allow me to put it this way, I believe this is what he was saying. You know, as I've been following you around, I've been watching you, and the thing that has been driven home, the thing that, that I'm made aware of that makes a difference in a man's life, the thing that enables you to meet the needs of your generation is the touch of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you know, sir, my generation's just twice as bad. I need a double portion of that spirit. Hallelujah. And that prophet turns to him. He said, well, but son, you're asking a hard thing. I, I remember the first time I read that, I used to think, well, that means God's going to really have to squeeze himself to come up with an anointing. That's not what he was talking about. He was saying, that's going to cost you. You want the a double portion of what I got? You know what I go through? You know how many times I fast and pray? I can't run here and there. I can't live my life like, my, like I'm my own owner. Oh, and you want double? It's going to cost you. But nevertheless, if you see me when I'm gone, you know the story. The prophet's now flying, and the young man cries out everything he had been doing, the dishes and all that. He wasn't going to let this moment by. He says, sir, I see you. And that mantle comes floating down from heaven. The Bible says he went over. That young man picked it up. He was sure about many things, but he wasn't quite sure about one thing. He said, where is the God of Elijah? And he smote those rivers as Elijah. And the Bible said, he found out where the God of Elijah was. Amen. Oh, my friends, I want you to know, I want you to know that the Lord wants you and I to know that the same God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ is your God and your Father. And the same anointing that he took off of Moses and he put on those elders, he takes off his son and he puts it on you and I to enable us to do the work of God. Now, if Elijah, that elder prophet, having done seven great miracles, if Elisha is now doubly anointed, you help me. I'm from Florida. We don't count very good down there, you know. I believe that comes to 14. Almost. When he died, he had done 13 major miracles, and he was put in a tomb. But before a year was out, there was a group of Hebrews having a funeral service. And here comes a band of soldiers. They couldn't finish the, the service. They grabbed the cadaver, and they throw it in this tomb, and they, and they run off. Little did they know that was Elisha's tomb. And the Bible says, how many believe the Bible cannot lie? Amen? Buckle your seatbelt. Because the Bible says when that dead man fell on the bones of that old prophet, even in the residue and the death, the anointing of God, the Bible says that the cadaver came back to life and he ran out of that tomb. Wow. I see him. Whose bones are those? <laughs> Elisha, 13 miracles. He grabs the chalk, 14, and runs off. <laughs> oh, my friends. God works by his spirit, folks. As you close the Bible, many of you were hoping I would do that. (laughs) As you close the Old Testament and you face now 400 years of silence, not hearing much, not much happening, but when God begins to deal with man again, you know the first thing you hear is reference to the power of the Spirit. That angel spoke to John the Baptist's father and said, your wife's going to have a child, and that boy, he's going to come in the power and uh, the spirit and power of Elijah. Hallelujah. Elijah was the icon of, of anointing and power, my friends, of fire. And he said, that young fellow is going to be under the anointing of the Spirit. And the next reference you find is when an angel appeared to a young virgin, and he said, Mary, you're going to have a child. Oh, no. 
many of you have ever said that? When the Lord starts shaking you up and dealing with you about what he's going to do with your life. How can this be? That's what Mary said. I said that for years. How can this be? I couldn't look at anybody. I couldn't half read. I made the, oh, you don't want to know what my grades were. Oh, but friend, how can this be? And the response of heaven was to Mary. Mary, the power of the Most High, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And that that's going to be done is going to be done under his anointing and his power. Amen. And Jesus, my friend, if it was needful for him to be filled with the Spirit, to pass through the waters, and for the Spirit, for him to be able to say, now the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, how much more do you and I need to be filled with the Spirit? Oh, my friend, we find example after example of those apostles, one such as Peter, a coward, denied Jesus, but one dose of the Holy Spirit, just one touch of the power of Pentecost. Oh, my friends, he was transformed, and he stood up in the face of those authorities that he shuddered at before, and he preached salvation. Hallelujah. It was a Pentecostal church, I want you to know. Everywhere the gospel went, they were quick to send out representatives from Jerusalem saying, have you received the Spirit since you became a Christian? Have you gone on in to receive the Father's promise? My friends, in Jesus' closing moments, as he was about to be ascended up, he realized his time was running out. He didn't talk about economy. He didn't talk about this or that. He looked at his disciples, and he used that time for a very urgent message. He wanted to make sure they understood. You see, these men had seen Jesus nailed to the cross. They had seen him as his head fell, and he was dead. He was placed in a tomb, and now they see him alive. Oh, they were ready. They were ready to go, but Jesus knew that human zeal isn't enough. Jesus knew that human love is not enough. We need to be endowed and endued and enclosed with a power from on high, and he says, don't go home without it. That's what he said. Don't go. He said, go back to Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. You know the story of the day of Pentecost. In that setting when they were in all in one mind and one accord. I remind you again, my friends, God looks for a place where there's unity and harmony to send his blessings. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon those people. The church was officially opened. As Pentecost, the Spirit of the Lord came upon men and women. Jesus today is still the baptizer. He still baptizes in his spirit. And there's a river here. There's a river here, my friends, that's flowing. Jesus is in that river. Not, not ankle deep. You're going to have to come out a little further, as Pastor was saying. Not knee deep. He wants you to come on. He's at the shore of your life today. And he's saying, if you'll come out here, I've got something special for you. Would you stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet? Father, thank you for your, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for speaking into our spirits today. And as you challenge your people, oh, Father, we ask you to minister. Minister, Lord, and do the work that only you can do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. As our musicians come, thank you so much. I know the hour is late. I just ask you to do one thing. Think about the whole week. This is only sometime for many of the only one time you're here. Give it a little slack. Amen. Cut, some, cut the Lord some slack, if you please. He's got something special for you. And he says, if you'll come to these waters, this is something that can't be bought. It can only be sought. Amen. It's not for sale. You can't earn it. You're not good enough. None of us are. He says, it's my gift to you. Receive it just like you do salvation. He wants to enrich your life. I'm talking to those of you that have never been filled with the Spirit. Your Lord, He has something for you today. Those of you that have been filled with the Spirit, perhaps it's been a long time that you've been praying. You're not up to date. God wants to give you a special touch today. 
I want to close this service today with the words of Jesus. Whoa, everyone that is thirsty, come to the water. Come to the water. You will not be denied. As the song says, stand by my side. You will not be denied. Come. Those of you that are hungry, those of you that desire all that we've been talking about here, the touch of God, the favor of God, this, this new dimension, this joy unspeakable, oh, this baptism, this immersion in the presence of God. If you desire that in your life, it'll broaden your stride, my friend. It'll open the eyes of our understanding. It'll help us in our, in our everyday life as you move into a new relationship. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.